Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. It's thrilling to be here with y'all today. It's a pretty day. A little, little cloudy, a little windy, but uh, it doesn't feel too bad. I am very upset that it is currently 75 degrees outside. I want it to be colder just a little bit longer. Uh, hopefully another cold front swings through in the near future. I just like the cold a bit more. Anyway, like I said, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can also reach out through the KPEL app chat. Uh, would love to visit with you guys there as well. couple of stories today that I just kind of find interesting and kind of out, kind of off the beaten path of politics as usual, but in the in kind of following up on something I was talking about yesterday. So yesterday I spent a bit of time on uh, on climate change, particularly the mainstream media and the fact that they have gotten a lot of their climate change coverage wrong. They, they continue to focus on statistics and predictions, none of which ever really hold up. This this story from the Wall Street Journal, um, I, I predicted this a while back. I, I told you guys this this was going to happen a while back. Uh, this was this was pretty much uh, a foregone conclusion that it was going to happen. But it's just funny. It's just funny that it happened this way. So you remember the Inflation Reduction Act and how it did not deal with inflation in any way whatsoever. Didn't do a thing for inflation. There was nothing in the bill that actually addressed inflation. And yet it was hailed as this big positive thing because it was all about climate change and reform and clean energy and all this stuff. Well, part of it was about these major subsidies for electric vehicles in the U.S. There was just one problem. The way the legislation was written the subsidies didn't qualify. You, you couldn't qualify for the subsidies, the tax breaks, with any electric vehicle on the market. Y'all remember that? I, I, remember, I remember telling you that after it passed. None of the electric vehicles on the market actually qualified for that tax break, for that subsidy. Now, why is that? In the legislation, it was written that the vehicles had to be produced at a like a certain percentage of the vehicle and the components in the vehicle had to be manufactured in the United States. And guess what? While some electric vehicles, the bodies and some of those major components are a fact assembled in the United States. The problem is the batteries and some of the key technological components are not. And that disqualified the vehicles. The Biden administration on Thursday, according to the Wall Street Journal, signaled its willingness to address some of the concerns expressed by European and Asian allies over a new U.S. tax credit program for electric vehicles. The program requires all vehicles to be assembled in North America to qualify for consumer tax credits. But the Treasury Department released documents paving the way for some vehicles assembled overseas to qualify for incentives through a separate commercial EV scheme 
if they are purchased for lease by businesses, not for resale. The documents were released to clarify which vehicles will qualify for the program that provides up to $7,500 per vehicle in tax incentives under the Inflation Reduction Act. According to one document which the Treasury Department released in question-answer format, the commercial EV program also provides $7,500 in tax credits for cars and SUVs. The European Union, South Korea, Japan, and the U.K. have complained that the local vehicle assembly and battery content requirements discriminated against their companies and that they might violate international trade rules. Most EVs from foreign manufacturers don't qualify for the consumer tax credit as they are assembled overseas. So not only are you likely to not get that tax credit because of what's available on the market, as of right now, the only people who can appear to be business owners. People who have the kind of uh, capital to be able to buy them for their business, not for personal use, for their business. So even while the Biden administration has pretty much acknowledged that, yes, their electric vehicle scheme doesn't actually help people buy electric vehicles in the U.S., they're going to go ahead and let business owners, who tend to have far more capital than just us private citizens, allow them to buy electric vehicles that do not normally qualify under the Inflation Reduction Act. Folks, at every twist and turn, the plan to move to clean energy continues to hit a brick wall that is of the progressive agenda's own making. In order to put America first in the technological marketplace, like we've been talking about for the past couple days, you have to either manufacture and drill for these components yourself in the U.S., or you have to go ahead and get those components from elsewhere, like China. So since we're not going to be doing all of that drilling and all of that rare earth mineral mining for ourselves, we've got to get it from elsewhere. But then that makes these electric vehicles impossible to qualify for the electric vehicle credit that the Biden administration and the Democrats are pushing to try to get more people to buy electric vehicles. This is patently ridiculous. They have not thought any of this through. Well, we'll just give everybody a tax incentive to buy it. Well, let's write the rule. Let's make sure that people are buying American so that we can put American industry first. Well, American industry can't qualify. It can't build these without the components from overseas. If you want it to qualify, you've got to get the minerals and stuff yourselves and let American companies go in and drill and get these minerals and these other components that are needed. Well, no, we can't do that. That's toxic to the environment. Question marks. They have no way of fixing this problem. The environmentalist government movement is full of contradictions, but they cannot get anything working here. The private sector is moving toward electric vehicles. They have pretty good hybrid vehicles on the market. I almost got one when I was shopping for a vehicle uh, several months back. But the problem that all of these programs have is that they rely 
on Americans being able to just jump on board, be able to have the capital on hand to jump on board, go ahead and buy the solar panels, go ahead and buy the electric vehicles. The subsidies and the tax breaks for all those are either expiring or they the what's on the market doesn't qualify. All because the government is not taking into account that they're moving too fast for the industry to catch up. Private industry is moving that way. But the government is not waiting for them. They are going ahead and passing laws and regulations at a time when the industry is not ready for them. So as a result of all this, if you want to switch to clean energy sources in your home, you may not actually be able to afford it, Because all the tax breaks and subsidies the government says you absolutely can get, you can't because of the rules that they've written. The bureaucrats and the people who write these rules and write these laws have no actual idea what they're doing other than philosophically they're doing the right thing. In practice, they're screwing everything up even more. All right. Let's go ahead and take a break. Of course, your calls, 232-1542. If you want to be on the program, you can also send a message through the app chat. We'll get to all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also leave a message on the KPL app chat. Just hit that little uh, chat button, the little text message looking icon up at the top corner. Select general message. You can send a message to the show Try to interact with those uh, throughout the show as those messages come in. I want to take a moment real quick and uh, give a shout out to my friend Robbie Bishop. Robbie Bishop Photography is absolutely the place that you need to go if you're looking to get any sort of photography work done. Look, he does weddings. He does senior portraits. He does business headshots, portraits, anything that you could need photography wise. I guarantee you Robbie can do it. And he is absolute professional when he does the work. Trust me, when I was in the school system, Robbie was the guy that we turned to. We had a company, weren't really satisfied with them, got Robbie in. He was able to just very quickly get us a good turnaround on the pictures, on picture day, nice, easy system, great work, and ordering the pictures was easier than it was with some of those big comp- those big national companies you see all over the place. Robbie Bishop is absolutely who you need to go to every year. We go to him for our Christmas pictures. It's an absolute delight seeing those come in. 337-456-5632, Robbie Bishop Photography. That's where you need to go to get your picture work done. I am thrilled to endorse my friend Robbie Bishop here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Now, going back to what I was talking about, this Wall Street Journal piece, and it it continues on from what I was talking about, just to go into it. So you know that I'm not just set pulling stuff out of thin air. In addition to the local assembly rule, and again, that's the, the manufacturer of the vehicles have to be in the U.S. for the vehicles to qualify for the, the $7,500 tax subsidy. The new program requires electric vehicles to have at least 40% of their critical minerals for batteries sourced in the U.S. or countries that have free trade agreements with the U.S., Starting in 2023, that threshold is set to rise by 80% by 2026. At least 50% of the parts and components in the batteries must also be manufactured or assembled in North America, 
by 2024, with that percentage rising gradually to 100% by 2028. So in other words, again, I have to reiterate here that the minerals that are needed to make these batteries and make these components, you have to go to China, you have to go to other countries that don't have these environmental rules that we have in order to get them. And not all of these countries have free trade agreements with the U.S. And the U.S. isn't going to drill domestically for them. We aren't going to dig domestically for these minerals. We aren't going to look elsewhere in places that we have access to because they are highly toxic to the environment. The environmentalists won't like that. What's more, the Treasury Department also suggested it might expand the list of countries eligible for the critical minerals requirement, an issue that has been particularly irking allies, such as the European Union and Japan, that don't have traditional free trade agreements with the U.S. They have written all of these rules despite the fact that nothing out there actually qualifies for the rules. We have upset our allies. We have eliminated every electric vehicle from the market from being able to participate in this tax subsidy program. All for the sake of saying, yay, we did it. We passed an environmental, we passed a green agenda. You know who got screwed in all this aside from the consumer? Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin put his political neck on the line for this, and everything that he was supposed to get out of it has gone away. And now everything that the Democrats have said, this is vital, this is important, you need to sign on with this Manchin, we know what we're doing, everything they've been pushing for makes no sense in the bill. Nothing qualifies. And you know he's sitting there absolutely seething about it because he traded away a lot of political capital on all this. It's hilarious. Joe Manchin, who was a pain in the progressives' butts for the last two years, all of a sudden traded in his political capital for this horrible bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, and what happened? Nothing that they wanted actually is able to happen because their rules and regulations have made it impossible to enforce these things. It truly is hilarious. But this is part of a larger problem, not just the environmentalist thing, but there's a larger problem as well. You have people in the federal government, in the bureaucracy, who A, are writing rules and laws that can't actually be put into place, and B, have non-legislative authority to change the law. The Treasury Department shouldn't be able to just arbitrarily change the rules of a law. We just had a Supreme Court case, the EPA versus Pennsylvania on this, where the Supreme Court said, uh, no, you cannot do that if it's outside the scope of your congressionally approved power. If Congress hasn't given the Treasury Department the ability to change these rules to make electric vehicles fit, then Congress has a duty to say, uh-uh, and cut the funding for that program until the Treasury Department enforces the rules it's allowed to enforce and plays by the rules it was given. There's a lot of issues at play, but bureaucrats are screwing this up and bureaucrats are expected to fix it. Meanwhile, you have a legislative branch that can't get anything done because it's filled with incompetence. On that pleasant note, let's take a break. Our bottom of the hour news is next. When we come back, exercise is racist.
I kid you not. We'll be back with that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation. So do you go to the gym regularly? Do you jog? Do you have a bike? Uh, Peloton? I'm, I regret to inform you, you're racist. I kid you not. That is actually a claim that is made in a New York Times magazine article. The white supremacist origins of exercise and six other surprising facts about the history of U.S. physical fitness. Y'all, I can't. I don't know that I have the strength. We we have had a very, very long year. And I'm not sure that I have the strength to carry on through this story. But I'm going to try for you, the people. How did U.S. exercise trends go from reinforcing white supremacy to celebrating Richard Simmons? That evolution is explored in a new book by historian of exercise Natalia Melman Petrelza, author of the book Fit Nation, The Gains and Pains of America's Exercise Obsession. All right, so first of all, can you really say that America is obsessed with exercise if America is also suffering from an obesity epidemic? Something's not right in this equation. And I say that as somebody who is not in shape. Well, I am in shape. That shape is round. But anyway, nowadays at the beginning of every new year, many Americans hit the gym to work off their holiday feast. This momentum usually starts to fade in mid-January, according to a 2019 analysis of data on fitness tracking apps by Bloomberg. But such, a new year, but such New Year's resolutions are pretty new, as is the concept of exercise as a way to improve bodily health. It's not really until the 1980s that you start to have a consensus that everybody should be doing some form of exercise, said the author, a professor of the new school at New York City. That's partly the result of the women's movement in the 1960s and 70s, which fought for Title IX, allowing girls to play school sports. That pushed back notions that girls and women aren't capable of doing vigorous exercise because they're fragile. Oh, so it also is sex. Exercise is also sexist. Okay, great. Um, I just want to continue with a few clips from in here. In the 1980s, there's a huge boom in the fitness industry connected to this work hard, play hard mentality. I was also really moved to speaking to gay men. This is the author who had lived through the HIV AIDS epidemic and talked about how they exercised to display that they had a healthy body at a moment when there was so much homophobia. But the author continues, another big turning point is 9-11. You see a boom in the CrossFit mentality of almost militarized fitness and girding yourself and your body for a fight. There is a sexist, racist, Undertone to exercise. (laughs) 
During the New Deal of the 1930s, according to the author, the Civilian Conservation Corps would recruit out-of-work or impoverished scrawny men to go work in the forest or on public works projects. One of the ways that they marketed this was it puts muscles on your bones. That really picked up during the Cold War. Right after World War II, you start to have more concern about Americans getting soft. This idea that the things that made America great, like cars and TV sets, were actually taking a toll on Americans' bodies. President Eisenhower, Presidents Eisenhower and Kennedy went on a mission to make exercise look wholesome and patriotic and focus on shifting the purpose of exercise to being a good citizen. But it started out as racist. I'm confused. I really am confused. Because the author is talking about all these things, but one of the things that they fail to actually mention is how it's racist. It was super interesting reading the reflections of fitness enthusiasts in the early 20th century. They said we should get rid of corsets. Corsets are an assault on women's forms and that women should be lifting weights and gaining strength. At first, you feel this is so progressive. Then you keep reading, and they're saying white women should start building up their strength because we need more white babies. They're writing during an incredible amount of immigration. Soon after, enslaved people have been emancipated. This is totally part of the white supremacy project. So that was a real holy crap moment as a historian where deep archival research really reveals the contradictions of this moment. We're not allowed to celebrate anything, I don't think. Exercise is racist. If you're exercising, you're taking part in a white supremacist activity. Nowadays, it's healthier because you see people in the fitness industry who are not skinny because they're, uh, they're focusing more on fitness rather than body shape. Well, that's one thing. Yes, sure. And we're moving away from all this negativity. But you're telling me that white supremacy was the origin of the exercise movement in America. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. There might have been some undertones, but not everybody who is involved in wanting people to work out more is sitting there saying, we need it because we need stronger white babies. First of all, that's not how that works. Second of all, there are a lot of people out there that you can look at who did a lot of exercise, who did a lot of bodybuilding during the early part of the 20th century, who were not trying to make sure there were stronger white babies. One of the weakest white babies in history was Teddy Roosevelt, and he turned out to be a guy in glasses who beat asthma, became a cowboy, became the president of the United States, all because his dad told him, you have the mind but not the body. In order to keep the mind growing, you need the body. There was nothing about race in that. And there were so many other people historically that you can look at and go read biographies, and you can tell they were doing it because they wanted to live a healthier, better life. But because there was this one undercurrent somewhere along the way All of exercise has white supremacist origins. I don't even like exercise, and I'm sitting here defending it. Like, obviously, you look at me, you know that me and exercise don't get along. It's a a matter of gravity. Gravity and I are not friends. But 
the point is, I also blame a lot of you down here in South Louisiana. I moved down here and your food was too good. But anyway, the point is exercise isn't racist. And you take this one little historical fact and you extrapolate a ton of nonsense from it. A ton. Exercise is a little more empowering now because in the 1980s, the gays started exercising and Richard Simmons became, you know, the one of the biggest faces of exercise. And the gay men wanted to show that even through the HIV and AIDS epidemic, gay men were healthy, strong people in the face of all this homophobia. And now you have people who are not necessarily skinny, who are still big faces in fitness because it's all about your fitness level and not your body shape and size and things like that. All great. But, yeah, it turns out people wanted stronger white babies. So it has white supremacist origins, taints the whole thing. God, we live in such stupid times. We live in incredibly stupid times. An entire cultural focus on exercise has racist origins because a small group of people wanted strong wanted stronger white women to have stronger white babies and so therefore everybody who was exercising in the early 20th century was obviously following some white supreme no for the love of god no this is mind numbingly stupid but this is where we are. We have to, as a society, for some reason that escapes me, we have to make everything about the identity, about racial identity and structural racism and gender equality. Everything has, there is nothing that can be untainted. Everything has to have some origins in that so that we can finally move on as a society when most everybody already has. If you take part in CrossFit, you're apparently about to join a right-wing militia. Maybe you'll go storm the Capitol in 2024. I don't know. If you have a Peloton at home, it's probably got an AK-47 on the wall somewhere. I don't know. This is so ridiculous. And these people write this thinking they've written some profound explanation for society. And they think that they have finally figured it all out. They've figured out where society went wrong because they can point to one. I guarantee you this was some undercurrent that barely anybody knew about, but because somebody found one written record of it somewhere, it taints the entire exercise industry as we know it. Exercise is racist. CrossFit is right-wing extremism. Actually, that makes sense because a good friend of mine in the conservative movement switched to CrossFit not too long ago. Maybe there's something there. I'll have to ask him about that. 
actually everybody I know that does CrossFit is actually center right. Oh God. Now I'm questioning everything. All right. I'm, I'm okay. While I'm questioning existence, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll finish out the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Okay, so I know at least one right wing person who does not do CrossFit. So that makes me feel a little bit better. All right, 232 1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat if you'd like to uh, converse. Love chatting with you guys through there. All right, so blackouts in the U.S. South. Going back to the environmentalist thing, we've had a major growth in electric heat throughout the country, but particularly in the South. Electric heat in Tennessee and the Carolinas has surged more than 20% in the last 10 years. Words. You would think a guy on radio and a guy who writes and a guy who taught freaking English might know words better. But I am not doing words good today. Outages expose challenge grids likely will expose challenges grids will likely confront more often. Okay, this is Bloomberg. Okay, their words aren't making much sense either. Okay, that makes me feel better. The states hit hardest by blackouts in the la- in last week's winter storm have significantly increased reliance on heating homes with electricity over the last decade, putting more strain on the power grid when temperatures plummet. The number of households using electric heat in Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina increased by about 20% from 2009 to 2020, according to government data that survey a sample of households. The generating capacity of power plants in the region, meanwhile, has remained relatively flat and increasingly dependent on natural gas. Those trends played out in dynamic fashion on on December 23rd and 24th, when temperatures in the region plunged to around 10 degrees Fahrenheit, Millions of people cranked up the heat and flows of natural gas plummeted along the East Coast as equipment froze. Utilities were forced to institute rolling blackouts as power plants failed and demand overwhelmed the system. The outages exposed a challenge grid operators will likely confront more often during cold blasts as utilities move to clean up their power supplies to combat climate change while an increasing number of homes and businesses turn to electricity instead of gas, oil, or propane to supply their heat. So again, when a presidential administration comes in and says, hey, we're actually not going to allow you to do a whole lot of drilling or processing or anything like that for these fossil fuels because we want to switch to clean energy. And it makes it that much harder. And you put the U.S. in an energy crunch, which we've seen over the last year. And there's no real alternative because the supplies are just drying up. And all of a sudden, what do we have? We have this cold snap that comes through and sends portions of the U.S. that don't get into the teens into the teens. And as a result of that, the power grid is getting a little overwhelmed. It's much the same as everybody saying you need to switch to electric vehicles. The problem is the power grid cannot support everybody charging their electric vehicles at night. It will overwhelm the system. And it gets worse in the winter 
when you're having to use more power to heat your home and more power to charge your battery because the batteries don't sustain their life in the cold weather. Battery life goes down in cold weather. The only electric vehicle that doesn't really happen to a whole lot is the Tesla. The Tesla retains much more of its energy in the winter than most other electric vehicles. The problem is Tesla, their stock is dropping because everybody now hates Elon Musk because he bought Twitter and he's allowing journalists to uh, not, he's, he's not allowing journalists to get away with some of the stuff they've been getting away with. And the social media company is no longer censoring conservatives. So now other information gets out there and they just hate it. And now Elon Musk is evil. So you can't buy a Tesla because God forbid you're supporting who they now claim as a white supremacist. Because like I said, everything is white supremacist now. But because we're switching to clean energy and we're getting rid of fossil fuels, we now have this issue in the United States where the the electric grid is overpowered. Because wood burning, oil burning, gas burning, propane, all of this is now being pushed out by the progressives. And so we're going to see more of these power grid issues. All right, y'all, 23 hours until I'm back. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at face, uh, and at Facebook, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Again, words are bothering me today. Check me out on Substack, JoeCunninghamShow.Substack.com. Be back soon. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5. Y'all stick around.